Well, does anybody ever uh, have trouble eating healthy? Anybody? A few of you? A few of you laugh? Anybody? Anybody have to make sure you don't have something in your house? Because if it is in your house, you'll end up eating it, and you know it's not healthy eating it. But some of you are very enthusiastic on that hand raise. Um, well, I did a, a, a web search this week, uh, and the Internet's good for maybe one or two things. Um, and I searched for the healthiest foods, according to the medical profession. Uh, some of them I did not have in my house, uh, like spinach. I know Popeye says that you know, you're good to the finish if you eat your spinach, but I don't have any. Some of you will catch that reference. Some of you do. But bananas were on the list, particularly bananas with a Toy Story sticker. Those are the healthy ones right there. Um, I didn't realize that until I pulled it out of the bag. Uh, another thing that was on the healthiest foods list were apples. Apples are some of the healthiest foods that you can have. Bananas, apples, uh, oatmeal. Oatmeal's healthy. Uh, anybody like oatmeal? If you put a truckload of brown sugar in it, I think that negates the health of the oatmeal. <laughs> Uh, but that's the only way that I eat oatmeal, so uh, my oatmeal is not healthy. Uh, and then avocados were also on the list. Anybody like avocados? Hey, a lot of you like avocados. I do, too. I do, too. I like avocados a lot, and so we have a lot of avocados in my house. Uh, a couple of my kids like them as well. And so we can eat the, these healthy foods, but simply having healthy foods in your house doesn't mean you're going to eat them. Uh, who tends to have healthy foods in your house, but they end up going bad before you eat them? Anybody? Who tends to have ice cream in your house that goes bad before you eat it? Your ice cream goes bad before you... Well, I, I don't know you then. <laughs> our, ice, our ice cream is consumed very quickly in my house. Um, uh, all kinds of unhealthy things are, are, are consumed very fast. The, um, I can't even think of it. All the snacks... Uh, the, the sugary yogurts, the uh, uh, cheese is always gone before it gets, goes bad. Um, all that kind of stuff, uh, definitely. Well, and uh, I like barbecue sauce a whole lot, and barbecue sauce is very bad for you. Uh, the only kind of barbecue sauce you should be eating is Sweet Baby Ray's. Um, can I get an amen? There we go. Um, well, and just as a side note, if you've ever never tried Sweet Baby Ray's honey mustard, it is bottled Chick-fil-A sauce. Just put that out there. Some of you are saying, I'm going by Walmart on the way home. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you the absolute truth. It is identical to Chick-fil-A sauce. Sweet Baby Ray's honey mustard. Don't, don't let that pass by. But you can have, and so I consume that way before the expiration date. But healthy foods, you know, our bananas will sometimes go bad. And I think, well, it's time to make banana bread, I guess, because they are all kinds of mushy. Uh, and sometimes we'll have apples that will end up going bad. Uh, or, or avocados, you cut that puppy open and you realize half of it is black. Uh, you're like, mm, I'm not going to eat that one. Or maybe I'll just cut out the black parts and eat the, the green parts. But um, we don't do that with foods that are bad. Sometimes, now, I, I, we created this this morning in my house. Most of us are not going to eat a box of poison, right? You going to eat poison, Eric? No, not if you think about it. You're right. Um, if we have the option between avocados and poison, we'll eat the avocados, or between uh, plain oatmeal without brown sugar or poison, we will, well, maybe we will eat the poison, I don't know, but we, we will, we most likely won't eat the poison, 
But a lot of times what we do, what not having to do with food, is even though we may have access to something that's absolutely healthy and will build us up in strength and will build us up spiritually, we'll end up focused on something, consumed with something, or consuming something that will kill us. And we'll just be staring at this thing all day long. Poison. I just, just stare at that. And we'll open it up and we'll look inside. And we'll look at, oh, man, that, even though the healthy stuff is here, we don't pay attention to that, the stuff that brings us life, the stuff that gives us strength, or as they say, you know, uh, in, in hipster circles, the superfoods. We won't look at any of that. We'll just be staring at this, ingesting this, letting it waft into our nasal cavities, missing what will bring us life. And in so doing, what, what ends up happening when we do that is what we're talking about today in the Scripture when we focus on something that will kill us, we no longer have peace. When there may be something that is present in our lives that can bring us health, that can bring us life, that can, that can, that can change who we are and make us stronger and healthier, we end up focusing on this and as a result don't have peace and wonder why we're always anxious and wonder why we're always uh, uh, have trouble sleeping because our mind is racing on these other 15,000 different things and wonder why after we've been scrolling for an hour and a half on social media we're in a bad mood or wonder why after we've watched the evening news we, we, we don't feel good and we wonder well it's been because we're focusing on something that is going to kill us Focusing on something that is going not bring us health, not bring us life, and we end up inducing a greater amount of anxiety and personal inner chaos. Because whatever I give my attention to, whatever I focus on, whatever I put inside me impacts my life, impacts my peace. And so I've got to, what I've got to do then is I've got to put down the poison and I've got to pick up the peace. I'm going to move this back here because I will definitely knock that off the stand. And we will have, this is open, this is oatmeal from our house, so we will have oatmeal scattered all over the front here. So I'm going to move all this stuff. When the service is over, don't take these things because they are mine and I want to eat them later. <laughs> I'm planning on having an avocado with my lunch, so don't take those avocados. Um, you know, we, anybody ever notice in our world, it does seem at times as though the noise level and the chaos is running rampant. Anybody feel like the world's going, getting more chaotic every moment? Yeah, it, it, it's just crazy how chaotic everything is. And so the way we're wired as human beings, and the news programs know this, and the algorithms on social media know this, that's why they feed us what they feed us, because the more we see and the more we take in, the more we want. When we, you know, we want to see negative things, even though we might say we don't, but uh, it makes on a, a subconscious level, you can look this up on uh, psychiatrist websites, on a subconscious level, it makes us feel better about ourselves when we're seeing ne something negative in somebody else. And so we feel better about ourselves or our position or our situation uh, even though all the negativity that we're sucking into our lives is slowly killing us because this is what we're ingesting. That's what we're taking in. And it begins to, to, to change who we are on our inside when we see so much chaos and so much negativity everywhere. And we begin to ask questions of ourselves. 
Will I, our focus begins to be on things, questions like, will I have enough? Do I have enough money? Will I be enough for whatever this person has expected of me? My job expects of me. My spouse expects of me. My parents expect of me. What if I fail at what I'm doing? And we begin to con- be consumed with these thoughts, eating away at us. Will I fail? And the fear of failing, the fear of not being enough or not having enough becomes a part of who we are, and that's all we think about. We think about, well, what if this thing I'm trying doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? What if it, it just completely falls apart? What if I lose my job? And that begins to consume our minds, and we, we focus uh, all of our attention on the what if I lose my job? What if that person leaves me? What if I fail that class? What if they find out that secret that nobody knows? What if they find out who I really am or the things that are in the back of my head? What if that person dies? What if I die? Then what will happen? And we play this what if game. What if I had done that, then this would not have happened. What if I had done that differently, then we would not be in the circumstance we're in. What if that person wins the election? What if that person wins the election? And it consumes our ever-waking thought. And we're all about that. And these anxieties and worries flow through us. And what we end up doing without even realizing what we're doing is we're digging into that box of poison. While sitting right next to us, if we're followers of Jesus, there is something that can not only relieve the pressure and the anxiety and the difficulties, but it can introduce peace into our life on a level we've never known before. And so that's what we're going to look at. And so all of those questions and more, those are symptoms of a sin-ravaged world. They exist because sin is in the world. They exist because the world is broken. Someday this world will pass away. Someday, I mean, Revelation tells us that this world will pass away and and, uh, we'll be introduced into a new world that will not have sin. And as a result, will not be broken. And so those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of anxiety, those feelings of chaos will not exist because sin will not exist to break the world as God intended it to be. And so we, have to, we, we can sit here now, though we think, okay, that's great. Someday it will be heaven. Someday the new heaven, earth, the, the, the new Jerusalem, book of Revelation, that will happen and be here. and will be phenomenal. I can't wait. In a thousand years, we'll be there. It'll be so good. But what about right now? I'm not there yet. My health isn't great now. My finances aren't great now. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Not even a handbasket. Going to hell in a Walmart sack. It's just bad. We don't even know what's going on here. What can we do now? How can I have peace in the middle of all that mess? Well, we have to start before we can even ask, how can I have peace? Is what exactly is peace? How do we define peace? Or, truthfully, how does God divine, define peace? Well, let's look first at a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to get to the main passage here in a minute. But we know from scripture where peace can come from and what can introduce peace into our lives. In Luke chapter 1, verse 79, uh, Luke writes that Jesus will guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus can lead us into peace. Jesus will guide our feet into the way of peace, the way of knowing peace, the way of having peace, the way of living in peace. Jesus will guide our feet there. If we follow Jesus, he will lead us to peace. 
But go back to a famous passage in Luke chapter 2, the next chapter, verse 14. The angels are telling the shepherds, when Jesus has just been born on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So we learn from Luke chapter 1, Jesus will guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke chapter 2, on earth we will have peace if he is pleased with us. If we follow him, what that means is if we believe in him, follow his will, then we will have peace. Or, that's not exactly what it says there, right? Peace will be among those with whom he is pleased. If peace is among you, that doesn't necessarily mean you possess it. Just like the good food sitting there doesn't mean I've ingested it if it's just sitting in my pantry. I've got to do something with it to introduce it into my life. And so if peace is among us, that doesn't necessarily mean we've grabbed a hold of it and it's a part of who we are foundationally, essentially. We have to do something with it. So we can know peace in this way. If we know Jesus, we can have access to peace. But I want you to look at something interesting because I think a lot of times, and this is a, a, dis a recent discovery that I've made within the last few years, is the way we often think about peace is not necessarily the way God defines peace. A lot of times we define peace just as we've been taught in the world or as we've been taught by, uh, you know, our, our education or we've been taught by TV. You know, a lot of times we think of peace existing simply meaning the lack of hostility or the lack of fighting, that our house is at peace if nobody's screaming at each other. As a parent, you definitely sometimes feel that way. If they're just quiet for two minutes, it feels like this is, this is heaven. Um, but that's not exactly what peace is, because look at what Jesus said. John chapter 14, verse 27. It'll be on the screen. It's, if you're watching online, it'll be right below me. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My, he said, no, notice, my peace I give to you. If there was any human being in the history of the world who had peace, I'd say it was Jesus. He had people yelling and screaming at him all the time, and yet he still cared about their salvation. The guards nailing him to the cross, and he would say, God, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He had compassion on the Pharisees who wanted him dead. He reached even some of the Pharisees themselves. He led to faith. Nicodemus, John chapter 3. Guys who their very agenda was anti-Jesus. He still cared for them and loved them. He was the epitome of peace. And coming to Jesus ourselves, we can know peace. So he says, my peace I give to you. But notice that next phrase, not as the world gives do I give to you. So we cannot attain peace in the same way the world tells everybody you can have peace. And the peace we can get from Jesus is not the same kind of peace the world is telling everybody you can have. Jesus' peace is different than what the world says about peace. It's not simply a, a cessation of hostility or fighting or everybody laying down their arms or signing treaties or just coexisting in the same house. And It's not any of that. Peace is not that. True, biblical, lasting peace is not any of that. He says you can have peace by coming to me. Or as we saw in Luke chapter 1, guide, Jesus will guide our feet in the way of knowing Jesus, following Jesus, which means trusting in Jesus, which means having faith in Jesus. Being, being, or, or trusting in Jesus means that, that we believe that he has the best in mind, that he knows better than I do. 
if I trust in Jesus. And so if I'm following Jesus because I trust in Jesus, because I have faith in Jesus, I believe he knows better than I do, and so I will follow him wherever he wants me to go. And as we saw last week, what that is uh, fundamentally a part of the life of the believer is we must believe in his love and how it permeates everything. And that Jesus loves that person, even that person that we hate. Christians aren't supposed to hate, but how many of you are ready to say you don't hate somebody? Or have never hated somebody in your life. You say, I don't hate anybody. Well, what if that one name that just popped up in your mind that you're not very fond of wanted to come over and eat dinner with you tonight? Would that freak you out a little bit? Maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe it's one of the guys running for president. Maybe it's your neighbor who won't cut their grass straight. Maybe it's somebody who's sitting in this room somebody who's sitting in your house right now. You, you, you feel like because you were taught as a child, I should not hate anybody that, that you don't hate anybody, but in actuality and how you think about that person and how you act towards that person, maybe you actually do and you're just not aware of it. But what we saw last week, and if you didn't get a chance to see or hear the message last week, you should go, do, go check it out. On, it's on our podcast and YouTube and Facebook. Um, it was a revelation to me was how, how much love Jesus has for us and desires us to have for others. And so this peace that we can know through Jesus is dependent upon both his love and our faith, our trust in his love. And so that's what peace really is. Peace is faith in God's eternal love. Peace is, is faith, is contented faith in God's eternal love. Contented faith, being content with how he has led you and where he has led you, even if where he has led you feels chaotic in the moment, feels crazy right now. It is trusting in God's love and what God has planned. Peace is trust in God. Peace is trust that God knows best and that God can take care of the situation. How did Jesus have peace on the cross and asking for forgiveness for the guys who nailed him? It's because of what he said in the garden the night before. Not my will, but yours. He trusted God. Absolute trust in God. And that afforded him peace. Peace is faith in God's eternal love. And because of that, we have to understand that peace cannot be taken from us. Peace cannot be removed from us. How many of you have ever thought, that person, now don't raise your hand, but... They have, that person robbed me of my peace right now. I mean, because that person who lives in my house said that thing, and they said my trigger word, and that set me off, I don't have peace, and it's their fault. Have you ever felt like the fact that you don't have peace is somebody else's fault? It's because of them that I don't have peace. It's because of them. If they were not so, you know, pagan, I would be peaceful all the time. But because of them and, and their, 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 their depravity and their terribleness and the fact that they're going to live in eternal judgment forever, I would be peaceful. Those aren't very peaceful thoughts. I mean, we're wallowing in the box of poison in that moment. We're not embracing what can give us access to peace. In reality, peace cannot be taken from us. If you are a follower of Jesus, nobody who exists in this world human or demon can take your peace because as I showed you 
If it's sitting, it's always within your grasp. It's always there. If you know Jesus, Jesus is with you. What does it say? Jesus will guide our feet in the way of peace. On earth, peace will be with among those with whom he is pleased. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. He gives it. It's there. And if we don't have peace as a follower of Jesus, it's because we're not taking it. It's there, whether we want it or not, whether we take it or not, whether we embrace it or not. If we don't have it, it's because we're not taking it. It's because we're not, uh, uh, um, maybe we don't know how to take peace. Maybe we don't know how to receive peace. Maybe you've never had an avocado and don't know you're supposed to take the outside off first. Maybe you don't know that. I know you can eat the outside of a banana, but maybe you've never had a banana. You don't know. You should take the outside off first. You should. You know, psychos eat the outside, or or dogs, or monkeys. But we're none of those things. (laughs) You should take it off and then eat it, and then consume it. So maybe you don't know how to have peace, how to get peace. And honestly, before the Lord led me through this process a month or so ago, I could have rambled off something that would not have been biblically accurate, but how to have peace, how to gain peace can only come from Jesus. But the process itself, we're going to walk through here in Scripture and know with confidence before we walk out the doors or click off this video online that peace cannot be taken from us because it's always there. Somebody cannot remove something that Jesus put in your life. If Jesus gives you salvation and you believe in him, nobody else in this world is strong enough to take it away. Because in order to take away your salvation, you have to be stronger than Jesus. And you're not. Nobody's ever told you that. You are not stronger than God. So just a heads up on that one. Your wife may have been telling you that for a long time. But no, you are not stronger than God. If he planted salvation, which he did with Jesus' death and resurrection, and you believe in that, there's no amount of sin you can do to undo that salvation. It's there forever. It's the same with peace. If you believe in Jesus, when his spirit comes in you, his, his peace comes as well. You may not always access it. I know I don't always access it. But it's present and it's there if we will simply reach out and grab it. Peace is there. Contented faith in God's eternal love. How can we have peace? Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have been justified, we've been made right with God. Our sins are wiped out, we're forgiven. Because we are forgiven and and can have a relationship with God, we can have peace because of Jesus. That's what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 5. Because we've been justified, because we've been made right before God and forgiven, we can have peace. Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes this as well. Through him, Jesus, to reconcile, to make right, to himself all things, to bring back to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Peace can be accessed, that's what Paul says there in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, only because you believe in Jesus' death, the blood of the cross, his death and resurrection. You have salvation, you can have peace. Peace is made because of his death. The sacrifice he gave, that salvation can be accessed. Uh, Salvation can be gained because of belief in him. So access to peace is, is gained at salvation. Access to peace is gained at salvation, but granted access does not guarantee acquired peace. Just because you've been granted access to peace doesn't mean you've acquired it. Just because you have it doesn't mean you have it. 
At Christmas time, just because you have a present that's been given to you wrapped up under the tree doesn't mean it's yours. It's there. It's in your house. It's under the tree, but you haven't opened it and taken it and used it yet. It's there for you, but you haven't opened it yet. Maybe you're one of those people who sneaks a peek beforehand. Maybe you, you know, move the tissue paper and look in the bag. Maybe that's you. Uh, but <laughs> Some of you nudged the one next to you on that one. Uh, but just because you know it's there, maybe you even bought it and had your husband wrap it for you. Maybe some of you wives need to be doing that now. <laughs> maybe that will prevent fights on Christmas morning. Uh, but just because it's there doesn't mean that you have acquired it and are using it on a daily basis. Same with peace. It is there. It is for us. We've been granted access, but that doesn't guarantee that we've acquired it. We haven't taken it. You haven't received it. Now we're going to look at the passage of Scripture where Paul outlines how peace can be had. There are three things to do to acquire peace, to take the peace that is always within your presence. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Paul writes this. Many believe Paul writes this from prison. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, now hang on a second at that word, reasonableness. Literally, in the original, the original Greek, what that word means is graciousness. It means gracious. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Let your graciousness. How many of you would say you are gracious to everyone? Everyone. And not just gracious as you think gracious is, but it says let your graciousness be known to everyone. So in the last 24 hours, let's, let's expand it. Maybe some of you need some expanded. Let's say in the last seven days, everybody you came in contact with or talked to on the phone or messaged on social media, if we interviewed everybody, would every single person know about how gracious you are or that you have grace from Jesus? Would they, if it's everyone, I mean, literal translation of that word means everyone, everybody, nobody left out, every single person. Let your graciousness be known to everyone, because why? The Lord is at hand. He says, grace should permeate every part of our lives. It should lace our words, our conversations. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Uh, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, that is a request uh, based on urgent need, a, a, a very immediate need. So prayer and urgent needs that are expressed with thanksgiving. So our prayers should always be possessing of thanksgiving. He says, then let your request be made known to God. And so once we have done all these things, verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it's no accident that he says your hearts and your minds. Your hearts and your minds. Because we need peace in both places. Many times when we are consuming the box of poison, it begins in our minds, and that's where our attention is focused on the variety of negativity or things that lead us down a path of uh, destruction, emotional destruction, mental destruction, and then it seeps down into our heart and becomes a very fiber of our being and even changes our character and our actions. 
in that way. And so he says you can have peace, and, and not just have peace and experience peace in the moment. He says the peace will guard your hearts and your minds. So that when those chaotic moments and those anxious moments and those, those frustrating moments and those moments that would seem to uh, uh, make your heart beat faster and give you health problems, as a result, and then that makes you worry more because you're worrying about this thing and that gives you more health problems. And now you're worried about the health problems too. It makes you more anxious and you have less peace in all of that mess. But he says it will guard your hearts, not just give you peace, but protect you from anything else chipping away at your peace. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that, that's a fun phrase to say, and I've heard many people say that phrase, even, you know, especially in prayers, but to really understand that is, is, is difficult, because we as human beings feel like we can understand a lot. We feel like we can, you know, we know a lot, you know, Wikipedia's out there, we can figure a lot of stuff out, you know, uh, internet helps, Google, it's all over that, but a peace that passes all understanding, that there is no human explanation why peace should exist, but it does in the life that you have in the moment. That is that peace. Nothing in your life, if you're going through a certain circumstance, would, would be peaceful. But it's not about the circumstance that brings the peace. It's about the Jesus that I already have that brings the peace. And so it doesn't make any human sense why peace should exist in the life of the believer who's going through a difficult time. But if we're pursuing Jesus, that peace is there. If our attention is on Jesus, then that peace is there. Because look what he says in verse 4. If we're re so he says three things, building to that verse 7, peace of God, special understanding, guard your hearts and minds. If we're rejoicing in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, verse 4. So if we rejoice in the Lord, rejoice. Praise God, not necessarily praise God because bad things are happening to us or because we're struggling or because the world is chaotic and terrible and this culture of chaos is just destroying even the church. But rejoice in the Lord always, that means trusting in the Lord and rejoicing not just in what he has done, what he is currently doing in our lives, but what he is yet to do in our lives and what he will ultimately do in our lives come the book of Revelation. Rejoice, there's always something in our lives to rejoice for. It's always there. It's always there. Rejoice in the Lord always. So if we rejoice, number one. Second thing in verse five, as I pointed out to you, that graciousness, let your reasonableness or literally graciousness be known. So if we rejoice, if we give grace, giving grace, giving grace, not just receiving grace, not just being a cul-de-sac for grace, it comes and it stops with me, but being a conduit for grace, we receive it from Jesus and we give it. So we, we, we rejoice, we give grace everywhere, every opportunity to, as it says, everyone, everyone, even the difficult people, even the frustrating people, even the person who hired you, if they're being as sometimes they be, giving grace even to the, to the internet service provider, giving grace to the cable channel who's not playing the cowboy game today, giving grace to everyone. So we rejoice, we give grace. Uh, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Prayer, pray. So rejoice, give grace, pray. Rejoice, give grace, pray. Three things that are easy to say. I believe in Jesus. So, yeah, of course, I'm going to rejoice. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I know about grace and grace. Grace means, you know, uh, I give something that the person I'm giving it to doesn't 
you know, necessarily deserve because God gave me grace. That means he gave me something I did not deserve. Mercy means not giving somebody that something they do deserve, but he gave me grace. He, he, he gives me things all the time that I do not deserve. So rejoice, give grace, but then pray. Prayer is something that we should know we do as believers. I mean, we talk to God. It's a, it's a gift from the Lord to communicate with him, not just, you know, give out by memory a list that we have, a checklist. Okay, pray for this, pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. I'm done. Let's get out of here as quick as possible. But prayer is, is earnest communication with the Lord. It's listening for his voice. It's being thankful for him. It's walking through the Sermon on the Mount, asking for forgiveness, asking his help in giving forgiveness, asking his help for provision for today, submission to his will and guidance through his will and perseverance, endurance, asking for all of those things. It is genuinely, earnestly praying, having a conversation with the Lord throughout the day, not just momentarily in the moment. I tell you, one of the most, I've mentioned this before, one of my mentors, he's in heaven now, uh, the most spiritual people I've ever met in my life. I mean, I feel like he's one of those walk up to a mountain and say move kind of guys, and the, the thing gets out of his way uh, kind of guys. Uh, and I remember asking him over lunch at a uh, Mexican food restaurant. He and I were sitting there, and I had a whole list of questions. And one of the questions I asked him is, he, he'd been in ministry. Uh, he was in his 80s at that point. Um, he'd been in ministry, I can't even remember, 45, 50-something years at the, at the church he was at then for 35 years. He was a pastor for 35 years. And I said, if you could do one thing different over the course of your whole life, now being 83 or whatever it was, um, what would you do different? And I'm thinking, if, you know, if one decision he made, he would do different. He would change this. He would change. If he could go back in time, he would change that decision. And he said, if I could do one thing different, it would be to pray more. And I thought, well, if he needs to pray more than I am, way outside the range of how much prayer needs to be offered here. I mean, this is a guy who 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 prayed more than anybody I knew, and, and he had the power of prayer and faith. And he said, if I could just do one thing different, it's not change how many games I went to for my kid. It's not uh, uh, not uh, express myself in that way in that meeting, not say that to my wife at that one time. It was just I would pray more. I would pray more. And so as a believer... I think oftentimes, I know I do, maybe you don't, maybe you're super spiritual. I take prayer for granted. The, the power that's there, the strength that's there, the comfort that's there. I mean, in the great hymn, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Everything. That's not scripture, but that's pretty good words. All because I do not carry everything to God in prayer. If I would take it to God in prayer and understand the power that is within prayer, then I would never cease to pray. Then what Paul's words is, uh, uh, pray always, pray continuously, pray constantly. Never let prayer be off your lips or out of your mind. That would be how I would function if I understood truly the depth and power of prayer. And that's what Paul is saying here in, in Philippians chapter 4. We need to be rejoicing. So if we're rejoicing, if we're giving grace, and if we're praying, and in that, the, the function of those three things, peace comes. But what is similar about those three things? How are they similar? How are they, how do they function in a similar fashion? Well, it's because of where your attention has to be in order to facilitate all three of those things. In order to rejoice, in order to give grace, even to, especially to people who are, are, you know, don't give it to you. Sometimes we give grace only to people who give it to, to us first. 
You know, we don't want to give grace to people who don't give it to us first. They didn't give grace to me. I'm not give, I'll give them a tiny bit of grace. I'm not going to give them the full extent of Jesus' grace because they don't deserve it. That's the point of grace anyway. So if we're rejoicing, if we're giving grace, if we're praying, then our attention has to be on Jesus. It can't be on me. It can't be on somebody else. It has to be on Jesus. And so if my attention is on Jesus in the function of those things, rejoicing, giving grace, praying, as he says there, then peace comes. So peace is acquired through the direction of my attention. Peace is acquired through the direction of my attention. If I am so focused on this box of poison that I don't see what's right next to me, my attention is so right here that I don't see anything else that's going on, then there's no wonder I don't have peace. Because of everything I'm consuming is this negativity and this poison, this killer stuff, then it's no wonder my this stuff goes bad. It's been existing there next to me the whole time. I can just reach out and grab and have a healthier life. If peace is with me and all I'm focused on is this, the direction of my attention is not on peace and not on Jesus, then of course I'm not going to have peace. Of course I'm not going to have peace. If my mind is so consumed with all of those what-if you know, scenarios and, and potential of what could be and what might be and not trusting in Jesus and focused on Jesus, then if, no, I will not have peace. I will, it will not be there. It w- maybe what you need to do is you need to delete Facebook off of your phone. What, you know, something I had to do, just being personal with you, there was a period not too long ago uh, sometime, well, sometime back now, that I had to delete the mail app off of my phone because I would check, and I have a, I have a solid rule now that I do not check my email at my house. I don't because I was getting some not very kind emails, and it was setting the mood in my house. And so I just, that's a rule. I did not, but then I still had the app on my phone. I had the rule, don't, don't look at your email at the house, but I would still click on it sometimes because it had that little notification badge, and that drove me nuts having that little number pop up. Even I took the notification off, and I could just feel the notifications building up in my inbox. I'd push it, and then just delete them or move them to a folder so the inbox zero. But uh, I had to—I deleted it off my phone. And so even now, there's something, somebody sent me something the other day in the email. I needed to check, uh, to click on the link this morning in order to to get the thing. Uh, Somebody sent me a, a gift card. And it wasn't on my phone, so I couldn't click on the link. So I was like, well, I'm at church this morning, so I'll, I'll click on the link at church. And I'll go to my office and get my iPad and do it there. But uh, I had to delete that because it was, it was messing me up. It was a box of poison because I would see those emails, and it would consume me. I mean, it would even after I replied, it would eat me alive, eat me alive. And I would be all over that. And, man, I wish it, if they were my person, I'd just say this and this, and my kids are doing their thing, and I need to be playing with my kids and being with my kids and all this stuff. But I was consumed. My mind was with the email. <laughs> so the Lord said, all right, you just need to delete that deal. This is messing you up. Maybe that's what you need to do is you need to delete your email. Maybe you need to delete your Facebook. Maybe you need to delete your, your, your Instagram. Maybe you need to delete something that is messing you up. Maybe you need to block the news site from your browser so you can't go there because that's eating you alive. Maybe you need to go into your TV settings when you get home this afternoon. I mean, you can't watch the Cowboy game. <laughs> now, I'm not bitter about that. But And uh, unfavorite that channel that you spend a lot of time on that's really eating your lunch. It's messing you up. 
Not because you want to be uninformed. No, don't be necessarily uninformed. Maybe you need to be uninformed. Maybe, <laughs> I'm not encouraging that. But having all of that information and all of the pundit conversation, what it's doing to you spiritually is not worth the damage that you've been doing to your heart and your mind, as Paul wrote there in Philippians chapter 4. You're not having peace because you're consuming a box of poison. Maybe you need to focus your attention somewhere else. Maybe you say, well, it's not my email. It's not my social media. It's not the news. It's a chronic health thing that I'm dealing with. It's a situation that's always there, it's, uh, and I just can't get rid of it, and it's always present, and, and there's never a moment that I'm not aware of it. How can I get away from that? And that's something the Lord's been teaching me. Uh, it comes from, like just like anything else, our focus. Where is our attention? Where is your attention? If it's on that thing constantly, then yeah, that's you're not going to have peace because that's what you're consuming, and you're not consuming the good stuff that will bring you health, the healthiest things for you. And so you have to realign where your focus is, where your attention is. And for me, uh, what I've had to do in that, and I'm going to give you, and don't put that up there yet, Stacy. but there's a peace challenge I'm going to give you. Some, it's something to try for the next seven days. Three things. Uh, but to, that had to keep my attention continually on Jesus. And primarily that was Scripture. I mean, this is God's Word to us. You say, I can't ever hear God's voice. Well, here is a thousand-something pages of His voice that he's given you, free. I mean, you get the Bible app, it's free. I mean, that church who created the Bible app has spent, you know, something like $25 million to create that app and buy all those licenses so you can have it in your pocket for free. And you can get that, you can get a physical copy. If you need a physical copy, you can't afford one, hey, take the one in the pew, take it home, it's yours, keep it. Keep it. That's, it's there, if you don't have one, just take it. Put your name in the front, it's free gift, take that, take that deal home. If you're watching online, you need, you need a physical Bible, Send us a direct message or put it in the comments. I need a Bible, and we will message you this week, and we will send it to you, all right? Uh, but it was ingesting for me, ingesting more of God's Word, not simply getting through my time with the Lord in the morning and then checking that mental box off in my brain and then going about my day, but having it be constantly in front of my mind. And so here's what the peace challenge is. Here's the challenge for you. Uh, the moment that you feel anything short of peace, I want you to do three things. I want you to pray for strength of faith. Pray for strength of faith. And then I want you to read Scripture. Read a chapter of Scripture if you can. If you can't do a chapter of Scripture because time is pressed, just read a little passage. I mean, we've got little subheadings here all throughout. The start in the book of Matthew. Start at the beginning of the New Testament. Just start at Matthew and just go on. And uh, just I remember hearing a story. The guy's a pastor now, but he told his testimony one time that he had never touched the Bible before in his life, and he picked it up, and it was just, all he had was a Gideon New Testament. And he started reading at the beginning, and he read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he couldn't figure out why it was the same story four times. <laughs> he thought Jesus was just going through the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, but if, if, if that's you, that's not the case. It's the same story from four different perspectives. Um, just start in Matthew. Read a chapter. Read whatever the subheading is, a paragraph or two. So pray for strength of faith. Read Scripture. And then find one thing from that passage that can relate to how you can thank God. I mean, that's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. Pray with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. So here's the, that's the peace challenge. It's something you can try to try to recalibrate your spirit in the moment to introduce, reintroduce peace. Pray for strength of faith. Read scripture. And find one thing for which you can thank Jesus.
you may, if, if as I was, maybe you were like me and you were so far gone, you're going to have to do this a bunch tomorrow. <laughs> you're going to, I mean, this is like every hour you're going to be setting a little alarm on your phone. I need the next three minutes. I got to do this real quick because peace is flying away from me. Uh, and, and the day is, is leaving me in a, in a heap of, of mess. And so I need more peace. Uh, and so I'm, not that I've figured it all out, but this is something the Lord introduced to me back in June or July. Um, and as I was preparing for this message, uh, been working on this now three weeks, four weeks, I can't remember when the Lord gave me this one. Um, and, and, you know, we ended up our uh, spiritual gifts series last week, getting ready for this message. And then this week, you know, uh, our second son, Reagan, uh, hadn't been feeling well um, last few months, really the last four weeks. He has lost a lot of weight, a lot of weight. Uh, and all our boys are, and Hope, uh, all of our kids, we have five kids, if you didn't know, four boys and a girl. Uh, they're all tall and skinny. I don't know where in the world they get that from. Uh, but, uh, and so for any of them to lose any weight is significant, but Reagan lost a lot in the last month. And, uh, the last few weeks, we're getting really worried what's going on. He wasn't feeling very good. And uh, and this starting really last Sunday or Monday, it wasn't like a virus or something. It was something different. Didn't know quite what it was. But it was obvious he wasn't feeling good. He, he really didn't eat very much. Um, and just wasn't doing good at all. And it got really bad middle of the week. And, uh, all, and as a parent, when any of your kids don't feel well, all kinds of thoughts run through your head. But when they don't feel well in a way that none of your other kids have not felt well, it's all kinds of new thoughts. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, parents? And so all kinds of thoughts are running through my mind. All kinds of thoughts are running through Katie's mind. And they, they're probably watching right now. They're at the hospital. Um, and uh, Katie, you know, she'll say what's running through her mind. And uh, I don't want to, re- you know, amplify the worry in the house and so I don't say what I'm thinking because uh, which my actually <laughs> this isn't this is rarely the case but what I was thinking was way worse than what she was thinking um, I'm usually n- not the, the that one but I, I, I have been lately and so I was thinking all kinds of bad things um, we weren't sleeping well at all this week we'd get up go check and uh, some of our other kids weren't sleeping well this week when you have five kids there's always one who doesn't sleep well, and always one who's something going on, so nobody sleeps well. Um, at least the parents don't. And uh, uh, come, it's all running together now. What is today? Sunday? So yesterday was Saturday. So, man, I guess that was Friday, maybe? Yeah, I think it was Friday. No, it was Thursday. Uh, we were able to get him to the doctor Thursday. They, they took some blood, said, Dr. Billy said, I don't really know what it could, I don't know what it is. So I took his blood, sent it off, and uh, somehow, as always happens, and so we worry all Thursday night, worry all Friday morning, um, the blood work got missed in the shuffle because the blood lab had uh, uh, at the clinic the other day, the free clinic, and so they had all this stuff, and it just got mixed in there. And so Katie had called in the morning, it wasn't in. Katie called again in the afternoon. They said, oh, yeah, it's here. But then the nurse said, oh, um, well, uh, I'm going to text the doctor and tell him he needs to call you immediately. Uh, and so they hang up. and like, okay, this is the end of the world. And so all the worry now gets amplified to the, you know, 10th degree. 
uh, she calls me in there and she says, this is what they said. And um, he calls back pretty quick. Uh, he's a great guy. And uh, we talked through it. Said his blood sugar was super high yesterday. They said, what I want you to do is I want you to bring him down immediately. Uh, we're going to take his blood sugar again. And uh, if it's above a certain level, I want you to, we're going to take him to the hospital right away. Like, not go home and get clothes. Kind of like go to the hospital now kind of situation. And so, okay. Uh, so Katie gets on the phone. She, while she's on the phone, she's grabbing clothes, and I'm trying to grab some things and get some things, you know, get chargers and iPad. Make sure we got stuff just in case. And so they throw it on the bag. We get Reagan in. Uh, he doesn't really he didn't have time to change. I mean, he's just wearing the clothes. He was, they were outside playing, uh, you know, so he's all stinky. <laughs> and uh, so they run to the doctor real quick, and yeah, sure enough, his blood sugar is skyrocketing. I mean, it's massively high. I mean, I've you know, in the, being a part of a church and ministering to people, I've seen people in a coma with it that high. And so he's here, and he's, uh, they, they do this, and, and they say, well, you can run him to this hospital down here that's closer, or you can run him to this other one that's another hour and a half away, uh, further than that one. And they said, well, we're going to go to that one. Um, and so Katie just gets in the car and takes him, and uh, she, I mean, she didn't just make the decision herself. We talked about it. And so they take him up there and uh, get him there. I mean, as happens many times in the work of the Lord, uh, they say you got him here just in time uh, because of some other things that were going on in his body. Uh, and so they get him all situated. So that's Friday. And so all kinds of, again, amplified worrying thoughts are functioning there. And uh, I know Katie didn't really sleep at all Friday night. Um, one of my spiritual gifts is sleep. So I was up late, but I was able to fall asleep immediately. Um, and uh, woke up early Saturday morning, all worried about everything, and he wasn't eating, couldn't keep any food down, and seeing all kinds of doctors, waiting for the big boss doctor to come in and make the, you know, make the call. If you've ever been in a hospital, have people in the hospital, you know, everybody says what they're going to say, but they say it in a very general way because they don't want to get in trouble for what they're saying. They're waiting for the boss to come in and say the stuff. And so that's what's going on there on Saturday morning. And so I look back at my, my journals down there at uh, yesterday morning, a habit that I've, I've acquired uh, for the last couple years, um, and I think I taught it on a Wednesday night here one time, is in prayer, spend the first bit of you praying, listening to the voice of the Lord. Listen to what he says first. And so yesterday morning I was praying, and so they're at the hospital, and Reagan's not eating. Um, we're not able to keep things down. His stuff's not functioning right. His numbers are not great. And uh, in the middle of all that, in the chaos and the worry and the uh, inner dialogue running away from you, uh, what the Lord spoke to me was, now I don't know how the Lord speaks to you, but this, this is, I'm just going to say it the way he said it to me. He said, you moron, <laughs> preach your sermon to yourself. <laughs> and I said, oh, right, I'm preaching on peace tomorrow. <laughs> so I pulled out my notes. I mean, I told, Micah had asked if needed him to preach today, and I'd already said, I told him, I said, no, the sermon's already locked and loaded, I'm good to go, and uh, then the Lord said, no, preach it to yourself, you're not ready yet, <laughs> stop, preach it to yourself first, um, and so in the middle of that, I ingested so much scripture yesterday, um, and it brought me to a place by, t yes, last night, that I was not in yesterday morning at 4 a.m., um, so I'm speaking from experience when I'm telling you, if you do the, put that peace challenge back up there, Stacy. Uh, if you do those three things, pray for strength of faith, 
If you read Scripture, if you want to find one thing that from that passage that you can thank God for, it will change you. I'm not just throwing out random platitudes here. Everything that I'm telling you, you can take this to the bank. If I tell you to do something like a challenge like this from the pulpit, from the platform, it's something I've already been doing for weeks because I'm constantly experimenting with my own spirituality. So I've been doing this. I've been working on these since the beginning of the summer and in different forms, in different, fa- in different degrees of length of Scripture. And it will make you different. It will. So the second, the moment that you feel anything short of peace that passes understanding, this needs to become your mantra. Okay, I need to stop. I need to pray for strength. I need to read some scripture. And I need to find something to be thankful for. And for me, where I was emotionally and in the moment, I had to do a lot more scripture than simply, you know, in in Colossians chapter 1, where my my Bible's open here at the moment, it's just two paragraphs. I got to do more than two paragraphs. That's not going to, I mean, I need more than that. I need to suck it in, and I need to, like a fire hose to the face. I need a lot of God's word flowing through me to get me back regulated to a place that's as normal. So just like Reagan had to have a lot of medicine to get his blood sugar regulated, I need a lot of spiritual medicine to get my spirit regulated. And you've got to have it flowing through your veins. Otherwise, you're not going to be where God needs you to be. You're not going to be then. If you're not where God needs you to be, you're not going to be where your spouse needs you to be. You're not going to be where your kids need you to be. You're not going to be where your coworkers need you to be. You're not going to be where your friends need you to be. You're not going to be where anybody needs you to be if you're not centered in where God needs you to be. And this is where it's got to be. I mean, I've always heard, you know, you know, the great theologian Martin Luther uh, would say, I've got my day, t- he would wake up in the morning, my day today is extra busy. Um, I've got, you know, I've got 26 hours of stuff to do in 24 hours. So that just means I need to spend twice as much time with the Lord this morning. And so he would. He would spend like three hours with the Lord in the morning if his day was extra busy like that. And I've always thought, well, that's ridiculous. That's impossible. How's that going to function? But then when you actually do it, you understand what the man's talking about. It will change everything. So I'm, again, I'm going to tell you, I'm, take it to the, this is a testimony from yesterday. If you feel anything short of peace, do that. You say, you get to the end of it, and you say, well, I, I'm still a little anxious. You know, you get to the end of it, you feel good, and 15 minutes later, those thoughts come back. Well, then repeat, you know. Lather, rinse, repeat. If it doesn't do the job, you do it again. If you ever give a little kid a bath and you do the thing and the mud's still there, you do it again. More shampoo. We need some more shampoo. Go get the other shampoo out of the other bathroom. We ran out. You, you, you keep going until it's fixed. Until it's fixed. You keep doing it until it's fixed. You keep going. Because the enemy's not going to stop. He's relentless. And he doesn't sleep. And he's coming for your spirit. He's coming for your heart. Because if he can get you, he can get everybody who you influence. And so he's not going to stop. And so we can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop, never stop. we got to keep going. If I am still anxious, if I am still worried, if the what-if scenarios won't stop in my mind, then I need more of God's word, the good word. I need more of the good stuff in my life than the poison I'm sucking in. I've got to have more. I can't tell it to you any other way. You need more. 
you need more. And if it is election stuff, guys, the election's just a few weeks away. And you thought it was intense in the past. Man, these next few weeks are going to drive you crazy. Chaos is raining from the sky like cats and dogs on fire. And if you don't have this ground into you, then we will run away hopeless and peaceless like people who don't have Jesus. The only way to have peace, the only way to acquire it, it's within our grasp if you know Jesus, it's right there. But the only way to take it and get it and ingest it is to make it fundamentally a part of who we are. Put our attention there. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4. The direction of my attention is how I acquire peace. That's how it is. That is how it is. got to put my attention on Jesus, and it will change everything. That's how Paul, I mean, Paul, I mean, reading about Paul and reading his letters and reading Acts and all that he went through and all the jailings and all the beatings and the, the, the town that stoned him to death, he got up and walked back into town. I mean, Paul had phenomenal peace because his focus was on Jesus. His focus was on his circumstance. I mean, if, if a lot of people hated Jesus, a lot of people hated Paul. <laughs> a lot of people hated Paul. But he was so focused on Jesus that he had peace even in the midst of it. As he's in jail, not knowing if his next day is going to be his last day, he had peace because his attention was on Jesus. And so that is the diagnosis for you. If you say, I don't have peace right now, that's because our, your attention is somewhere else. Every time. Every, I mean, again, I'm telling you, that's my experience. I mean, from my own experience, my testimony. If you don't have peace, it's because your attention's not on Jesus. You're not taking the medicine. You're not taking the medicine. But maybe, maybe in your life, you've never had peace. Ever. You've never known peace. You've never experienced it. You've never experienced that calming, that contentedness. Maybe you are what John Adams said in that musical. You reek of discontentedness. You reek. I love that phrase, that, that, that mental picture. It's just everywhere, and I can't get it off of me because our attention is somewhere where it should not be. Maybe you need to know peace today for the very first time. I mentioned it last week, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit, the proof of the Spirit, the evidence that the Spirit is in your life, which we know from that gifting series we just finished, that if you have the Spirit of God, that means you believe in Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus, you have the Spirit of God. And what Paul wrote there in Galatians chapter 5, if you have the Spirit of God, then you have the proof of that. That is love, joy, peace. That doesn't necessarily mean you've acquired peace or you always use it, but it is there for you to use. And if you've never known it, never experienced it, maybe what you need to do today is believe in Jesus. And know peace. K-N-O-W. Know peace. Know it. Because you will know Jesus today. You need to believe that he is God's son. That he died. So all of your sins would be forgiven. All of them. Even the ones you're going to do in ten years. He's already forgiven those. He forgave all your sins with his death. 
and that he rose from the dead so you can live after you die. And if you believe that, then you are a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, a Christian. And you have access. His spirit enters you in that moment, and he's always with you, never leaving you, forsaking you, and you have access to his peace. The only way to know this kind of peace in a chaotic world is through Jesus. And if you need to know Jesus today, know him, believe in him, follow him, I'll be here at the front. I want to talk to you about this, celebrate with you about this. If you're watching online, you can do this in the room too. There's a link on our website. I made a decision. It's on our main page. It's also on the page where this uh, uh, message is on our website, thequeen.church/live. There's a button there that says, I made a decision. Click on that. Tell us about the decision. It comes straight to my email. I'll see it tomorrow. I won't see it today. <laughs> I don't check my email at home. Uh, but it comes straight to my email, and I will call you tomorrow and celebrate with you about that. Celebrate. Pray with you. Encourage you. Pray for you. Make that decision today. Make it today. And know peace that passes all understanding. And so here, I'm going to pray. The music team's going to come, and they're going to play another song. But if you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, make that decision now. Believe in him. If you need to make a decision to say, you know what? Man alive, I have not been very peace-filled lately. My mind is running in 15 different directions, and I'm struggling. But I want to take that peace challenge. I want to try that deal out and see what happens. Then I want you to come down here, and I want you to pray. Not that this place is more holy than the place you're sitting different shade of green but sometimes our physical location and posture can better equip our spirit for what Jesus is trying to do so I'm asking you then if, you, you know, if you're saying I, I am in a place where I really need peace right now I'm asking you to come and kneel at the altar kneel at the steps and make that commitment to the Lord I'm going to take this peace challenge I'm going to try it I'm going to try it and see what happens Maybe your house isn't filled with a whole lot of peace at the moment, and you need to come and be peace-filled. Come and pray. Maybe you need to bring your phone with you and delete some of those social apps when you get down here. We're not going to think you're kneeling and scrolling Facebook. We're going to think you're kneeling and dealing with it spiritually with the Lord. Maybe that's what you need to do. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray. Music team is going to play. And uh, you're going to come and pray. You're going to come and be a part of what God's doing. You're going to come and experience the Lord. You're going to be embracing peace in a way that you've never known before. I mean, imagine what the queen would look like if 100 people, 120 people, go out and are functioning in absolute divine peace this week. How would it be different? How would your house be different? How would your kids be different? How would your friends be different? because of you and the peace that is permeating off of you.